So why don't we, we'll start a Kickstarter to let me quit my job, will send me to coding school, and then all of these little complaints you have, I will just make you plugins for them. Yeah, I'll awesome. spend my days doing that instead of delivering water. It'll be fantastic. I'll right. give you a buck. All right, there we go. Kickstarter. <laughs> do that. I need a thousand for this album, and then how much is college? For the t-shirt. Come on, man. <laughs> how much is college these days? I forget. It's Wednesday, July 25th, 2012, episode 18 of Yats. It's yet another tech show, yetanothertechshow.com slash live. Watch us live every week. Participate in the chat room. My name's Matt Lee. Joining me tonight, only three of us. We got Aunt Pruitt. What's up, man? Gentlemen, what's going on? We got Larry Press. Evening. And uh, Mike Rothman on vacation, out on location somewhere. Doing something other than this. So, hope we'll see you back next week, Mike. In in the meantime, if you guys are watching live, which I know you are, you can call us 406-204-4687. Replace Mike. And if we like it, maybe we'll keep you. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe. 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 Nah, I'm just kidding, Mike. We would never (laughs) replace you. You, the the guy that replaced Mike would have to be much more older and much more of a curmudgeon, and I don't we even know the age budget, the age balance. Right, <laughs> we we'd basically settle for no less than a Dvorak at this point. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> Unless the dude's over a hundred years old. Well, then we would that that's a gimmick, though. I feel. <laughs> so, all right, let's start things off. The world of tech. Ant, you got a rooted and rommed Kindle Fire finally. How's that working out? Tell us about that. Oh, man, I am just giddy about this. Um, I told you guys uh, a couple of episodes back that someone was going to donate to me a Kindle Fire. My good buddy, Dennis Thompson, um, who was a big Clemson fan. Go Tigers, by the way. But uh, he gave me his uh, Kindle Fire to play with and just do what I wanted. And as soon as he said that, that was when um, a lot of the developer forums, more especially uh, XDA developers, said that they had a ROM for not only ICS, but also Jelly Bean. And I had some challenges with it, of course. No, um, no. Challenges, you know, rooting and ROMing a device? Get out know. of here. The, but no, but this is this is the thing though. I got the device from Dennis, and it powered up. I checked it out, loved it. Shut it down, and I went back to doing my business at work. You played with went it, to boot it stock. You yeah. you messed with it right. stock first. How, what, did you find right. that it, I haven't got my hands on one yet? Did you find it was really slow and laggy? Like a lot of people, Kendall, their main complaint yeah. was that it was underpowered. Yeah, Kindle Fire, whatever Amazon is doing to it, it is slow. Was it? it was is it really, really slow? Yeah. And is that um, just trying to hit that two hundred dollar price point with underpowered hardware? I guess. 
you know, but maybe that's the, the code thing. The hardware isn't that bad. It's how they so it's skin. their version of Android. That's just yeah. It's how they skinned right. it. It has this whole cover flow look to it, and um, it's it's decent on the eyes, but not great. Well, and you know, a lot lag. of a lot of those graphical pro, uh vision, like the, a lot of that stuff, is really process intensive, especially it is. if you don't have a dedicated graphic card doing any of your rendering to take some of that off of your processor. Right, and and they obviously didn't quite master that. <laughs> Not <step>. at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I I shut it down and booted it back up later on. Well, I should say attempted to boot it up, and it didn't. The Kindle was just dead. It was just stuck on the splash screen. And I'm thinking I haven't even played with this thing yet, far as rooting or anything like that, and it's dead. Come to find out, for those that don't know, the Kindle Fire owners. If you get it stuck on the splash screen, a lot of times the reset function will help it, but most of the time it doesn't. Amazon pull. knows this, and they ship another one right, right, right back to you. No questions asked. So it's not a matter of, like, when, when I first put Jelly Bean on here, I got stuck in a couple boot loops and had... Usually that always happens. You just, you wipe the Dalvik, you wipe the regular cache, you flash it, and it boot loops. You do that again, and it's fine. It's like you need to yeah. just do it twice, and then you'll be fine. But um, when I did that, it was just a matter of pulling the battery. And, like, is, is the battery non-pullable? Is that what the problem? No, no battery to be pulled. Okay, so you can't. Is there a, I noticed on the Prime, I had to actually look this up, but there's a tiny little hole Right, I don't even know if you can see that, but there's a there's a tiny little yeah, hole little pinholes, right yeah. under the SD card, and that's your soft reset. Yeah, right there, and right. that will force if. And I I haven't rommed or rude the prime yet. I'm kind of waiting to see what Asus does as far as stock jelly bean, but um, right. it it seems like that would be because yeah, you can't pull the battery. What happens if you do get stuck? And that's your that's your fallback, uh, other than and maybe that, plugging it in that's USB. The exact same tactic that that Amazon has is because this is the only button on here is the power button. There's no hidden basically, little pinhole. Oh or, no, there's nothing oh, okay. like that at all. Interesting. Um, you hold that button down for X amount of seconds, let it go and hit it again. And it's supposed to soft reset it. And it didn't work. Um, Amazon knows this. They replaced it, sent me a new one. I got it Monday dead on arrival. No way. <laughs> <laughs> they just gave you somebody else's bunk fire. Dead on arrival. A dud, like, if you will. Yeah, I'm like, how does this happen? So I got online, got onto the Amazon chat. It's like, um, seriously? And she's like, I'm sorry. Next day, I had it again. I had another one. I got this one Tuesday. And um, went to go through rooting it and so forth and putting it on my Linux machine here at home because I'm more comfortable working with Android with Linux and well it makes sense my, right i mean right and you know, right so running my terminal and everything and i remember to run everything as a root user su buddy of course got my confirmations your device is rooted and so forth but then i look on this up at the upper piece of the screen there were a bunch of errors it wasn't Ooh. rooted. It, it, Ooh. You know, it said it rooted it but it never did so i spent about two hours trying to figure that out and go through the code nothing happened Tried it on an XP machine, nothing happened. Got stuck in a boot loop again. Tell me you Ended tried it on an on. Apple machine and it worked. Uh, that would be no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up I ended up booting into my Windows 7 partition here, 
and loading the drivers on it and it worked like a charm. I mean, the whole routing process is literally about 10 minutes, if that. Yeah, once you get through all the other <laughs> BS, like to oh actually gosh. pop it, it's so quick, it, uh, assuming yeah. it, it all goes well. It, so, it was, they made it so easy, you know, the, the folks at S- XDA developers, they those made guys it so are, easy with, with two tools, two clicks, and it yeah. was done. And I think then, what um, we're missing, the, the main point of your story is that you took somebody else's Kindle Fire and got a brand new one out of it. <laughs> got a brand new one, running Jelly Bean, put this Jelly Bean ROM on it, and it is just beautiful and quick, as you already know, from running, running it on your Galaxy Nexus. Very, very responsive. Oh, yeah, even coming from ICS. Like, I, I wasn't running anything rooted or ROMed before Jelly Bean. I was completely stocked just so I could write about it and get the, the full experience. But, you know, one can only deal with Verizon's lack of giving a crap about any of, you know, <laughs> customer side update or anything like that. They, they could care yes. less. Uh, you can only deal with that for so long before you're like, you know what? I don't even care about a warranty at this point. I'm on my third you know, one. I've come to the realization that this one, the screen's going to scratch too. It, whatever. Period. That's just how it goes. Unless you're a Droid X that was just made bulletproof, like it's yeah, going to scratch. It's, it's done. Which is ridiculous. I, I, I'm so angry about that, but whatever. I got it. I got it successfully ROM and able to to go through. And I got all of my stuff from the Google App Store back on here. Got Amazon apps back on there. Took it to work this morning because I know a, a few other Kindle Fire owners and showed it to them, and they're just pissed, jealous. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, man, this this is so much better than what I what I paid for. So know? it's clearly, and, it's not so much the hardware then that's making no, the Kindle Fire slow. it has the hardware capability to be fairly robust. And granted, you know? I wonder, I, I'd be curious to see the difference between ICS on the Kindle Fire and Jelly Bean, just to see the difference of, of how much of a difference Project Butter makes in how smooth everything is how redrawn smooth. and rendered on the, on the screen. It blew my mind, Matt, just going through the different transitions and Oh, I bet coming from is. stock Kindle to butter yeah. and JB <laughs> Oh my goodness, man, that's gotta be night and day. I mean, isn't I'm not gonna sit here and say it's perfect because yet well, this is a ROM. It is Android. You know, I've noticed <laughs> that uh the keyboard is a little a little laggy. It might be a half second behind. Are you using the stock the input? Is that the stock right keyboard? Now I'm using the stock. And my question to you, since you have a tablet, what tablet keyboards do you suggest? I was thinking about just going with SwiftKey since I have it on my phone. Thinking about just getting that. You know, the the first I, I started using with, you know, the stock, and, and that was really good for me. And then I saw that there were other keyboards available. This was back on the OG Droid. And so I've always kind of stuck with the stock up until... I got my Galaxy Nexus. Even the Droid X stock keyboard was fine. And then I started using AI type because I learned all about this new keyboard prediction stuff. I was like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> it knows what yeah. I'm... And so I started using AI type. Uh, let me see the, the actual name of it. Or I took it off here. But yeah, it's like AI type plus or AI type keyboard. And it it okay. build itself as having the best prediction engine out there. It will encrypt your key presses to the cloud and the prediction is encrypted. So if you're worried about that, 
they they take really good care of of the security and everything. Um, they came out with a tablet version that will actually split your keyboard split like the iPad board. does, uh-huh. or nice. it'll float it. So you'll have a small keyboard, but you can put it anywhere on the screen you want, which is kind of gimmicky, I guess. I don't really hardly ever use that. Yeah, I don't see a need for that. AI-type keyboard, yeah. see when you have a portrait like And that. then I heard the developer from SwiftKey talking on a podcast about the new SwiftKey beta. And so I started trying that, and I've been with SwiftKey ever since. Until Jelly Bean came out. The stock Jelly Bean keyboard. I don't know if it's a mix between... Because I use the voice. I use the microphone button a lot. And SwiftKey still uses the old version. Where it gets everything and then posts it. Rather than typing as you talk. AI type actually, for some reason... I don't know how they did it. But they use the actual ICS type as as you text. So... Either you can switch between the two keyboards just for the voice, which is kind of annoying, or you can stick with the stock. And granted, all of these keyboards now, as long as they have support for Jelly Bean, they work really well. So it's really going to be up to you and your preference. Because I drive all the time, I use the speak a lot. So for me, I can you can always slide down and select voice typing, but that's kind of annoying. I'd rather just hit the button and have it do it. So... Um, but yeah. but the top three, I would say the the Jelly Bean stock keyboard, their new prediction engine is amazing. AI type is good, and then Swift Key three is is probably the best. And that's I don't swipe. I hate the swipe typing. So uh, I, I if never you, could swipe. <laughs> if you do like that, I'll tell you AI type has a swipe option. Uh, Swift Key does not. But then you can also right. just install swipe. So. It, and like I said, it's it's up to you and how you use it and how big your tablet is. Um, maybe a split thing is not so necessary on a smaller tablet because you can uh-huh. you can like I mean I can reach I don't know you can see this I can kind of reach my thumbs a, a, across it but yeah. I don't know I got big hands so not everyone's gonna be able to do that but yeah it, they're all getting really good though. You know that the the voice dictation it reminds me of. Um... Last week was for the show, and Larry, Larry and I were having an email conversation, and you know I was going down the road, and I said I'm driving home, and I'll look at this later, and of course he responds back, "Don't be texting and driving," and I'm like, "Dude, I didn't type that. I just hit the button and Swift Key. Their engine, it's not too bad. Granted, it's delayed, but it understands right. and my it depends draw pretty daggum good. It depends also <laughs> on your internet connection too. I noticed while I'm on LTE." It's instant, and if if you have the new offline mode, it's pretty instant even when you're not. But for keyboards that don't support that, then yeah, it makes a difference. Hey guys, right. just are there any good Android apps that do a good job of, of integrating text to speech or speech to text? I'm sorry, with reading for making marginal notes and and stuff as you read. I mean that's something that's really important to me. I still don't think that that has been a uh, tackled yet because so, um, I think we had, are you um, saying, talked about that before. Are you saying having the app read back to you? What's I want to, no, 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 no. I want to, as I'm reading, if I read a book, a paperback book, I'm always writing in the, in the, in the uh, margins, keeping little notes in the back about where I wrote in the margins. In the that book itself. Yeah. I want to integrate. I want voice. I want speech recognition and, um, reading to be well integrated 
that would I would love that. Into what though? I don't into your book or do you want an app I that all together your... in one place? When I get finished reading a book, I want to have all my marginal notes there. But that's what I'm asking. Are you reading digital books or are you reading yes. actual physical yeah, 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 books? No. Reading digital. Okay, yeah, digital so you want books. it as a part of your e-reader. Exactly. Gotcha. You reader that really does a good job of integrating uh, speech to text. You want like a study buddy that will, depending on what type of book you're reading, will give you certain tools and options for notation and whatnot in that that particular book. Like if you're doing math, I want to associate this stuff with the book, right? Because a math book, you're going to be taking different kinds of notes than if you're reading like a science book or a philosophy book. So you would, that would be neat. It's a good idea. Yeah, it really would. And it seems so obvious. And, and yet, and you know, and then you go a step further. I'd like to be able to share those notes with other people and do social reading, maybe. But I'd be more than, I'd be happy as a cat. But anyhow, you guys don't know of some Android app. Uh, yeah, I've never, I mean, as far as just. I don't just, think they've tapped into that yet. As far as just apps for e-reading, what is there? There's the Kindle. There's, I mean, Audible is only for listening. So that wouldn't really. And I don't think any of them have that integrated. Aldico? For Android, you might want to look into Aldico, A-L-D-I-K-O. That app may have what you're looking for, actually. Put in the show notes, yeah. Yeah, I know it's, it's just clumsy as shit to do it when you're using the you know, Kindle reader. On Here's what Aldico looks like. Uh, so you have your, your bookshelf there, um, yeah. and you can put in, like, let me see. I think I have some PDFs in here. And I think it lets you, because it, it does EPUBs and, and everything. It pretty much reads whatever. I saw the Apple. Well, the reading is well, yeah. right. But then inside, yeah, here we go. Okay, so you can do that in here. So here's here's White Fang. All right, so you have your your book, chapter yeah. one. So if all you right. tap on it, now you have all of these options that come up around the screen. So if I want to bookmarks, add uh, text. Here's all of your your text stuff. I guess that's just for brightness and everything. You can have a search. I guess that's not really what you're talking about. You want to actually take I wanna, notes. I want to do annotations, marginal notes, and I don't want to type them. I want to say them. Right. Well, in anything, you have a keyboard. You could say it in there. But, yeah, all this does oh, is... That's for sure. If somebody's integrated that... Uh... I think what it's going to boil down to, Larry, is if yeah. if you have an application, because I'm thinking yeah. of... Um, one app right now, the, one of the Bible apps, you know, I go into it and hit bookmark or whatever. It gives me the option to make a note, but that's still an extra step. I have to tell right. it to activate the keyboard yeah. and then hit the microphone and then start talking into it. No, I, I know you want something that's way more seamless than I that. If see. anything, just hit one button. You can, you can do what I'm saying on a Kindle, but it's like a lot of keystrokes and, yeah, and yeah. I don't want to type it. Yeah, I don't think they I don't think they've tackled that just yet. No, you and know. you know it's a why? Hell of an idea though. That sounds like a very very niche thing to to have. So I, I I can see maybe that's why no one's done it yet, but it's only a matter of time, I'm sure. Well, maybe, yeah, okay, maybe I'm, when you guys read a book or an article or something, don't you uh No. Little ideas pop off in your head and you want to jot That's what down. my notepad's I'm for. Surrounded by little pieces of paper. That's what my... notepad's for. <laughs> you just need no, to use it. Yeah, to be on my notepad. I want it to be associated with that spot in that book. Well, I want no, to make $100 an hour podcasting and that's not happening either, so. Oh, well, yeah. 
whatever. <laughs> Use Evernote. <laughs> Evernote could easily do that. You can search it. You can talk to it. You could easily do it with Evernote. Maybe it's just not going to be a part of your e-reader. It's going to be a separate app. Yeah. Yep. That's the disconnect. It's not all in one spot, you yeah. know. And if I had a great big screen, I'd run them side by side in two different windows, but I don't think that's what we're talking about. Well, and about. if I had a genie in a bottle, I'd wish for a better host, but that's not. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about wearable computing. This is something ever since I had read Ray Kurzweil's uh, The Age of Spiritual Machines and... All of his futuristic predictions, we've been watching them slowly come true. You know, Google Glass is kind of a sort of, you know, a rendition of the, the lenticular heads-up display with lenses we'll be wearing and all, and all that. Uh, another interesting thing, this, this article out of Slash Gear, a wearable technology developer exclaims, Massive adoption potential. Hey, do you wear clothes? Then you could wear computers. I think that's that's awesome. The more these things get integrated into ourselves and things that aren't dedicated, like I don't have a dedicated cell phone because everything's in this shirt that I'm wearing and it transfers, you know, however. I, I think the more we get to that point, the the more just amazing this stuff is going to be. It's going to be everywhere and embedded, and, and you're not even going to think about it. it. It'll just be. Is this a fine line between the guy with the 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 uh, decorative tattoos and, and, and piercings that he had to mount his iPod to his wrist? Sure, the magnets, you know, rare yeah, earth I magnets. Mean, is, is this a fine line between that? Because we're looking at this article, and the guy has on these glasses that reminds me of the old virtual reality glasses. He's wearing. And, if you guys are listening at home, imagine this gentleman wearing a Virtua Boy. <laughs> that's yeah. if the the you know virtual Game Boy. The virtu- That's what he's yeah. wearing on his head. It's either that or the senior citizen blue blockers. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I want a pair of you blue know. blockers. With, you know, and to a degree, you're like, who who wants to put this on? Larry's you know, over there, like, like hiding his blue blockers. <laughs> I don't even know what blue blockers are, you guys. Oh, so come like, on. What are blue blockers? It was an old made-just-for-TV ad. It had, like, the, the nerdiest song for them, like, blue blocker. <laughs> Do you remember that, Ed? God, yes, I, I remember. Do, it's so terrible. But And I think you need to... You need to make the separation between wearable computing and implanted computing, because I think those are slightly different, both equally uh, awesome. So this guy, uh, he interviewed Will Powell, a developer responsible for some rather fantastic advances in the world of what Google has suddenly made a very visible category of devices, wearable technology. Uh, With the Google Glass project nearer and nearer reality with each passing day we asked powell how his own projects were making advances at the same time and how he saw advances in mobile gadgets uh, as moving forward so, and he says moving possibly away from smartphones and tablets entirely because if you think about it what are the the smartphones and tablets you have your interface you have the actual hardware that's doing the computing you have the software i mean if you could figure out a way to to merge that stuff and instead of putting it all into one little spot, spread it out throughout, you know, a, a shirt or a tie or, you know, whatever you're wearing. I don't, I don't know. Does that seem, what do you think, Larry? 
a couple of things that come to mind. One is there's a lot of people working on um, medical instrumentation. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, wearing a shirt that it also... Okay, I'll give you an example. Does this kind of... Larry, this goes back to the HP sensors everywhere thing where you'll yeah. have sensors that are constantly monitoring this stuff uh, on your body and, and away? Yeah, and Intel, a couple of years ago, Intel set up a whole division for this, and I haven't tracked it since. But, like, for example, if you've got uh, heart arrhythmia, they'll put on you a... a they'll attach to you a, a, a monitor that just kind of records your EKG on a continuous basis until you walk around with it for 24 hours. Uh, something like people are starting, I know there was some guys up in Santa Barbara. There are a lot of people working on, on the kind of thing where you have a t-shirt that's right. uh, kind of doing that kind of sensing. Um, but a lot of that's also, there's tons of people starting to come out with just little iPhone accessories to do, uh, you know, diabetes, blood sugar testing and, and, uh, yeah, well, didn't it start really big with the fitness apps, right? Tracking how many steps you take. They figure if you have the phone with you, the phone has an accelerometer. It's maybe just a matter of placing the phone in a certain area where it's going to, you know, yeah, that kind of stuff. Record Nike, or having you get sneakers from Nike that talk to an iPhone. Right, right. Or you can like, yeah, like even the sneakers is a good example of having the device fed information from a third-party piece of hardware, whether it's through wireless, Bluetooth, uh, NFC, you could no, probably do it. Another uh, kind of orthogonal thing, but related, I, and I don't know what happened to it, but years ago, maybe five, ten years ago, there was a project at MIT where uh, you were generating power by right. uh, you know, piezoelectric things, sensors in your shoes. And that was, you know, you just by walking around, you generate enough power to power your your more. Yeah, if you think about it, we're, I mean, there's energy everywhere around us. They did that really well with the new electric cars by using your braking to actually sure. generate. You know, there, there's a lot of wasted energy that we could be using to, you know, either slightly charge or keep charged or top off all of these devices because they are becoming power hungry, the, you know, the more things we want them to do the bigger screens or, or whatever yeah but you know the the stuff we're talking about is chicken feet compared to what you started with the kind of stuff ray kurzweil envisions well I yeah mean, and we're we're he predicted uh, that out all these implants replacing and augmenting everything you know? right right and he predicted that out still still quite a ways away i mean we're talking like 2090 2100 for the real, you know, what gave me chills when I was reading it, just the, the, the real, I don't, the, I don't know, just real smart technology that's everywhere and it's in everything and you're not even thinking about it because it's, or you are just thinking about it and it's, you know, manifest. It, it's that kind of stuff just really blows my mind. I, I should read that book again just so I can get a, a, a fresh read, take on yeah, it. Yeah, read some of his subsequent stuff because he's really, um, He's a pretty, I've met him a few times. He's a little, uh, maybe you consider him a whack job, but he looks at, he looks at the progress that we're making in electronics and that that is giving, uh, feeding back in combination with progress we're making in understanding biology. Right. Throw into that progress we're making in understanding intelligence. He is convinced, okay, he's a guy, he's younger than me, but he's way older than you guys. He's convinced he's going to be immortal. The singularity. He's yes. going to put his consciousness into ones and zeros and live forever in no, another not even, form. No, he's not even going to pour himself into a jar. He's no, convinced not, that well, medical science will make 
advances fast enough that he can keep alive long enough to get to the threshold point where the any organ can be replaced, whatever, and he can be uh, in the first generation of immortal people. And the guy has a very, uh, last time I talked to him, one day a week, he works in his doctor's office. And the reason he works there is because he's getting intravenous infusions of all kinds of vitamins and I have no idea what. But he's really, uh, he's the extreme example of this. He's convinced he can keep himself alive until anything that breaks can be replaced. Well, and if you think about it, I mean, aren't we already doing that? Maybe he's on an extreme level where I, if I do this piece by piece, it's like that old song, I built my Cadillac one part at a time or whatever. You know, like he's going to replace the parts that are failing one part at a time until eventually he's made it long enough to where the technology is there to either a replace his whole body keep the wet wear but replace you know all of all of the the bones and the, and everything with with yeah. robot or port yourself into the singularity into the group collective holographic akashic consciousness join the borg join the borg exactly so do you think he's crackpot or do you think he's on he's fairly on to it or what do you think larry because I always thought he was right on, just reading his past smart, predictions. Man. Far be it for me to say, but I guess I think he's a kind of an optimist. Let's put it that way, not crack Because he was close in his past predictions. Because that book came out a while before, and yeah, he does all those. Who graphs. has the? Ra- hold on, hold on. Who's who's playing TV or radio? I'm getting bad feedback. Who is that? Yeah, I hear it, but it's not me. It's ants. Mute ants. You hear me? Yeah, mute yourself now. Something's going on. Hello? Check, check. Are you muted? Ant. Hangout's crashing on me. Oh, maybe that's it. Disconnect and reconnect. Sorry, live listeners. This happens sometimes. Actually, before we started, while he's doing that, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, I tried when we were doing Attack of the Androids. I went to uh, start the public live hangout on air, and it said, nope. Hangouts on air are not available. Try back later. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I searched around, and somebody found this workaround (laughs) that you go to YouTube and verify your mobile number, and once it does that, you can start a Hangout on air. So I tried it. It didn't work the first time. I tried it again, and it worked. I was like, whoa. But yeah, so I may, they may be doing work. They may not even want us using Hangouts on air right now. But So we, we snuck on through the uh, back door. So yeah, I found somebody said, until the Google engineers fix this, here's a workaround. <laughs> I was like, sweet. Maybe, maybe they just caught in and stepped on him. <laughs> I know, right? All right, well, while we're waiting for him, my mother uh, just sent me an email. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it says, forward, very urgent, Olympic in the coming days, you should be aware. Do not open any message with an attachment called Invitation Facebook, regardless of who sent it. It is a virus that opens an Olympic torch that burns the whole hard disk C of your computer. This (laughs) This virus will be received from someone you had in your address book. That's why you should send this message to all your contacts. (laughs) I think my mom just got scammed. Uh, It is better to receive this email 25 times than to receive the virus and open it. Wow. 
If you receive an email called Facebook Invitation Facebook, though sent by a friend, do not open it and delete it immediately. It is the worst virus announced by CNN. A new virus has been discovered recently that has been classified by Microsoft as the most destructive virus ever. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We should call my mom right now. Tell her about this. Uh, It is a Trojan horse. Ooh that asks you to install an Adobe Flash plugin. Go Adobe. Once you install it, it's all over, and there is no repair yet for this kind of virus. This virus simply destroys the zero sector of the hard disk where the vital information of their function is saved. Snopes says, This is true. (laughs) (laughs) snopes.com slash computer slash virus slash facebook.asp i think my mom just got hacked can we call her real quick oh my try and call her let me me see if this works are you better aunt or or you get your yeah i think so i think i'm having google chrome problems i've noticed that the last two three days uh that will happen he calls his mom yeah if you have I am having this weird shit. When I try to type a post into Chrome, it's just acting weird as hell. I'm noticing using Chrome. I'll be typing along and yeah, I'm getting that. I'm getting the exact same thing. It's like the processes just hang up on it. It's random. Yeah, that's when using Chrome to talk to Google Plus. That's where. Yes. Yes. That's That's the only time. Yeah, Exactamundo. You can do comments and it's fine. All right, she's not home. Anyway, there's viruses going out all over the place. That's just a new one, so keep an eye out. I always know when new viruses are out because I get one sent to me from my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Either my mom's trying to hack me or she just gets hacked all the time. I have no idea. And she's trying to hack you. That could be the case. She's probably a lot smarter than I give her credit for. Your mom's I wanted to um I wanted to comment on the wearable computers. I'm not trying to be facetious or anything, but yeah. Iron Man, Tony Stark. Every time I see those movies, it's I could see that as being a reality. Is it you know? weird it's, to you that every each Iron Man movie there's been his suit has gotten less and less bulky and more and more portable? And the way right. it comes apart or it's in the briefcase that turns into like I've noticed that the first one, it was like this whole kind of to do to put it on. And then the second one, it's all like and then the third one, it was just like almost part of it. I don't know it seems like it's moving in that that direction. And even the way the UI was and it just the heads up display, right? That's Google Glass or what it should be. It didn't seem like it would be out of the realm for a bunch of brainiac engineers to put together i mean that's just my opinion one well, isn't that know? jerry pornell's take on it is that this the science fiction guides the science in, in some aspects yes. yes you know and and if it, if it were going to be some wearable computers out there i'm thinking that's the alone along the lines it would go first somewhere within Military? our defense systems you know <laughs> sure. yeah somewhere in our defense system you know the consumers would get it later um Probably something is just a Wi-Fi hotspot that you can wear or some crap, you know, something menial, you know, but that's just my opinion on it. Yeah, it's interesting. It'll be I'm we are alive in a, in a really good time that we've seen it. We've seen life without it. And then we've seen the early, 
you know, <laughs> contractions of it trying yeah. to birth itself into what we have now, which is only a stepping stone to what it hopefully will be, assuming we don't completely kill ourselves uh, in the process. All assuming. <laughs> All Just assuming. Is Twitter a media company or a technology company? If you had to say, Aunt Pruitt, what is Twitter? A mess. A mess. <laughs> An unmonetizable <laughs> mess. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's Twitter has all of the potential. Um, I think it would be more media than technology. Uh, Does technology denote platform? Because if if so, I would say it's almost more platform than anything. Or it was until they kind of said, "Stop that! We're doing that now." <laughs> you know. With right. I mean, that's the thing. They locked and... down all of the developers and how they use their API. With the know, third-party so... apps, they've become almost Apple-esque in saying, don't duplicate our functionality, even though they themselves duplicated their functionality the from, the de- from the devs. Developers. Yeah, yep. like chicken, egg, chicken. What would be some examples of things that they haven't shut down, that, that they feel don't duplicate their technology? Like, they don't want you building Twitter clients anymore, I guess, right? Pretty much, right. yeah. Which, what, what do they want you And to if do? you've noticed, the Twitter clients that have survived have been more than just Twitter clients. Like the one I use, Seismic. They do Facebook. They used to do Buzz. <laughs> uh, and yeah. they do Salesforce, which I don't really care about. And then not only do they do Twitter, but they allow multiple accounts in there. So I have my Jamhole, Hotbox, Yats, AOTA, and Groovy Matt, like, all in there. So I can post to... Uh, and it, it's nice that way, but I mean, other than that, I don't know. You know what I wish Twitter would do? It's a little bit off the topic, yes. But the idea that the tweets disappear, they don't, uh, I wish it would be archival. Think up. I would like to be able to see my tweets from day one. Not think up. I... You need uh, Gina Trapani's app, Think Up. She does that. It's more of something, it's like installing, she, she described it as, it, you installing an instance of WordPress on your server. If you could do that, you can get ThinkUp going. And it does all that. It, it archives them all. It, it's, all I was, I offered to install it on our server that we run Yats and AOTA and Boss on if you guys wanted to mess with it. Nobody really cared, so I didn't. Maybe I should. I didn't hear the offer. I'll go for it. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Does she offer it as a service, or is she just developing uh, it? It was in... It was a beta. Now I think you can... I don't know if you can get them to do it. I think you still... Yeah, you still need to install it, or you can install it in the cloud, like on an Amazon E3 or, or you whatever. Gotta your, you got to run your own server. You still yeah. have to... Right, right. She's not offering Will yet. Will she eventually do it as a service? That, uh, that I don't know. Some... That would be interesting to, to see. I think it's her and, what, Neelai Patel that are running this? I, I forget. I Neelai. Yeah, I think that's what I heard on, on Twig, but... Yeah, you can visualize. You can. I mean, there. It's it's really cool what it does. Maybe if you guys want to mess with it, maybe we'll do it on our server. We got room. Yeah, be fun to, so it, it archives all your tweets. I don't. I forget. She said how far it went back. It doesn't go back all the way because of restrictions that Twitter has. Yeah. No, because of Twitter's it. restrictions, she can't. Yeah, the app right. itself can't go all the way back. But it goes yeah. back as far as Twitter will let you, which is yeah. pretty far. But I don't know. 
So it's more than five days or something. Oh, yeah. Way, 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 way more. Yeah, that'd be cool, man. But then you can do, you can run all these different things against it and get all of these interesting analytics and and demographics. It's really cool. I guess the White House uses it. Uh, It's gotten really popular. But she did an amazing job on it. So we'll we'll throw it on the server uh, tonight or this weekend and see. Cool. Yeah, we can then talk about what we did with it on a yacht. Right. <laughs> so back so to I, the um, yeah. Go ahead. I, I, I think I think Twitter is more media now than uh, than technology, and I'm only basing that off of my current Twitter stream. Um, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Because well, I it, first heard of the Dark Knight shootings on Twitter. The most most of my breaking news, and I might be different because I don't have television or anything like that. So. I get all of that stuff from Twitter, and then I go to my feeds to search and vet. But it's always I always see it from someone who retweeted it from someone that was there uh, yeah, on Twitter. That's pretty much how it is for me, you know. But it's also for people that don't necessarily curate their stream, right? You know, I have I have lists, you know, and I have the list of folks that I actually interact with, you know pretty commonly uh you know so i can never get into the whole list thing i don't know i always relied too heavily on apps to curate for me you know like feeding all of my twitter accounts into my sixth sense and then letting it tell me what it thinks i want to see you know but if i if i ever deviated from the list of folks that you know they that are near and dear to my heart the whole thing is just basically um ads it's news and ads promotions and stuff self-promotion even yeah even even myself yeah i have my moments where i'm i'm interacting with my folks that i'm near and dear to but then i also use it to promote yet another tech show i also use it to promote attack of the androids and so forth see it depends though it's like another big virtual billboard do most people have shows to promote or are most people trying to promote themselves as a brand because i think most people are using it almost as a a memory of sorts. It's like a walk down memory lane. Like, what did I eat eight days ago? To, you know, something like that. It's almost an experience. It's a, a thing to keep track of your experiences with because you're posting some very mundane day-to-day things. Unless That's you're... what I think Facebook does. But most people do both, right? And then the really interesting yeah. things I want to talk about is where I go to Google+. Plus. Yeah. You don't think so, True. Larry? What do you think? No, I was thinking, I wish Mike were here. Maybe it's an age thing. I don't tell anybody any of my mundane shit. I do think, though, that, yeah, you're you're definitely right on. The mundane is uh, definitely an age thing. But what do you use it for? To disseminate information? Twitter? Yeah, when I do a blog post, I'll put up on Twitter, hey, I just did a blog post. I don't know if anybody thinks Right, so you write you write the blog post on your blog, but then you have to have some yeah, medium or some framework to get that, to let people know that you just wrote this on your blog. Because if you don't, how else are people going to find it? Uh, they'll find it with Google's. I think of a blog as, as an archival kind of a thing. I mean, I right, and I, it's yours. You own it. You'll, you'll find it on Google searches. I think uh, people subscribe to the feed, though. I don't know if anybody. I subscribe to a ton of feeds and never look at them. Um, you know, <laughs> different people do it in different ways. I guess. Um, yeah, it depends I, on I, you. You're asking the wrong guy because I'm no internet marketing. Uh, 
expert. I just write but there you just said it right there. Internet marketing is that what it's turned into, or has it always been that? I think it's different stuff. For, you know, like uh, around the Tour de France, we keep talking about that. I get yeah. I, I'll get the Twitter feeds from a bunch of the riders, and I'll kind of just watch them go by a little bit, but. Which, what is that? Is that life experiences? Is that yeah, you just getting that's news? Just kind of, uh, that's recording, kind of. It's rec- Actually, archival. It, uh, it should be archival. That's that's a whole thing. Like, I've, I've been doing a bunch of posts on the uh, NBC's coverage of the Tour de France. And they've got tons of good archive stuff there. And I just hope they leave it for, the, for posterity. Maybe we should coin a term and call it short-term archival. Yeah, five days. That's Twitter's it's short-term archive. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd like to ask some of my fanity's gotten around that. I'd like to ask some of my friends that are on Twitter and Google Plus that are social media sent, you know, eccentric. Um, Matt, you know, or at least are familiar with at least two of them from that Sweet and Nutty show. Yeah. I mean, both of them, they do a lot of PR stuff day to day, and. But what is PR? It's them. a way to interact with your friends, your fans, your clients. It's all goes from back I, to from what I first gathered from from like Candace in particular was, you know, she was dealing with her clients and getting their brands out there, you know, into social media, and then every now and then she would intermingle in interaction with with different followers and so forth. Are you right. Well, if you if you strictly give your brand if you strictly do that without the interaction side i i don't think people are as receptive they need to know that you're not just a bot you're not just saying here's another episode of the show here's another episode of the show intermix between those posts are you interacting with the people who may be listening to the show if there's no interaction there if you're just a a, a mouthpiece just throwing out you know spam i I guess you can't talk to a billboard Exactly. It's got it. You got to have a two-way. Twitter. A lot of times, it's a virtual billboard for a lot of different companies. That's everybody's ego, though. Also, because everyone wants to say something, but no one wants to read or listen what other people are saying. You know, and and tech writers are notorious for this. They all we all write our stuff, but we don't want to care or to read what everybody else is writing because we didn't write it, you know, or we don't want to give that click away. Or, you know, it's, it, they're weird like that. It's a weird ego thing. I, I think you need to be as open and interactive as possible with, I mean, with what time you have to, to really get a conversation going. Cause if you're just yelling at a wall all day, who cares? To the extent that I get into conversations, the place where they happen is on Google plus. Oh, yes, man. Definitely. Google Plus is for conversation. Uh, the blog gets very – well, my Cuba blog gets some comments because that's a pretty heated community. But my other blog gets very few comments. But is it all geek Google stuff? Because I get more interaction on normal things on my Facebook. <clears throat> but I have more more people that I really know. The Google Plus is all like Googlers and tech people and stuff that I'm friends with. And there's good conversation there, but it's all tech-related. I, I know I don't get very much tech conversation on my Facebook, but I, and I try to post to both places. You know, It, it kind of seems like that's the smart thing to do, but don't put plus names in your Twitter stream, Ant, and don't put, you know, the it's you got to, 
I almost have to format for each one, it seems like. If I want to let people know, like, plus Aunt Pruitt, Twitter doesn't know what to do with that. Facebook doesn't know what to do with that. So you you almost have to copy-paste a lot and then edit per network. It'd be nice if they all had a a format or a standard of, say, this is how you you reply to someone, this is how you, you know, say their name or whatever. And if they all use the same thing, we could have one app or two. And maybe they don't want that. Who knows? But it would be easier for us, you know, trying to run, like, four or five shows and Facebook pages. I agree with you on that. I I use this this tool, Manage Flitter, that sends public um, Google Plus posts to Twitter. Right, but it and doesn't format. I noticed that. No, it, it doesn't properly format. But my and... hope, but my hope is because it also includes a link. At one time, I wasn't right. including a link in there. That's important. If you can get them there, and if they can see it and not have to sign yeah. up for it, or maybe if you can get right. them to sign up for it, but then you're doing their work at that point, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and but you know the thing is, man, I don't it. mind it because of the type of engagement that exactly. I've gotten from Google Plus. It's worth you know, it. I don't to get, get that. that same engagement on Twitter, and I love the 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 font, the very small group of people on Twitter that I'm tight with. I just wish I could get them to migrate over to um, Googleverse, mm-hmm. you know. And if I can just keep sending that out, and they'll see that plus and see that link, and it and sometimes it works. Yeah. And it, yeah. it depends what those people are using the media for, you know, it, it almost, it's, we have to having podcasts, if we want to reach, I mean, I could, I could kill my Facebook account, Facebook pages and just go Google plus and Twitter and blog there, link it to Twitter as say, here's what I'm doing. Check it out, read more. But then I feel like you alienate that whole other 80% of the people that are on Facebook that aren't going to move to Google+. They're going to uh-huh. just find another show. And they can yeah. because there are so many shows out there. Like we're, we're five shows out of a billion podcasts that you could be yeah. listening to that are all talking about the same crap. Like there's nothing. I mean, yeah. no one's coming up with mind-blowing content. Like come on. It's yeah, all it's, it's, the personality. Do you like me and Ant and Larry and Mike, or do you like me and Jeremy and Seth? Like, it, do you like Android? It, it all depends. It's the personality. Yeah. Sometimes I do try to be a little cognizant of that, and every now and then you'll see in my Google Plus post, I'll stick an at so and so in there. Yep. Just so, just so it flags them in Twitter, you know. And I know some of those people are actually on Google Plus too. <coughs> But I know they're on Twitter more, so I'll try to flag it that way just to get their attention, just to get them right. to click and look at this content, check out this information. Sometimes but see, not, not everyone's not doing that. Stuff. And it's to the normal everyday user, it's not worth it. You know, they're they're doing yeah. what they're doing with their friends. And if you want to reach them or be a part of that, you have to go to where they are. Come on, cuz you know nobody in this hangout's normal. <laughs> <laughs> I still keep the MySpace page going hey, I for them. Yeah, I don't even use Facebook. Um, that's how weird I am. So this <laughs> this whole article it came they they had a meeting at the New York Times offices uh, in New York with Chief Executive Officer Dick Costello, uh, and he said that Twitter is some variation of both. I think of the company as a technology company that is in the media business. That's what he said. Uh, he was talking to a room full of editors and reporters. He said, our business is an advertising business. We don't sell technology. 
He said the company does not have any reporters or a newsroom. And I mean, unless you consider, you know, the world a newsroom, then you have a bunch. But uh, he says <laughs> they're, they, they run about 1,300 employees, uh, and half of that are engineers focused on building the technology that runs Twitter and inventing new features for the service, which is kind of what I said. It, it's more of a platform that people use to disseminate the media. They're not creating media. They're not selling technology. Although you can use, what was it, Bootstrap or whatever, the, the, the back-end technology to make your own kind of site that's like that. But yeah, that's not them selling it. That's them adopting no. code that was already there and making it, you know. All right. Which you know, is kind of what they do best. There's a lot more than just uh, trivia and personal communication and advertising for the latest thing you just did. Like I'm thinking of, of the, like the whole Arab spring thing. I mean, that was crowdsourcing really and politics, right? Politics, uh, event coverage, the tour de France again. But all that is at the core. What I'm saying is that's disseminating information. That's that's real news reporting. Like you said, Matt, with the world is your newsroom kind of a thing. Right. And, and at, at the base of what they're doing, they're just getting out information, check out our news report. You know, that it's pretty much what, Maybe more real time because they have well, people. Different people use the platform for different things, right? And that's maybe that is the really cool thing about it is that it can be it can be accommodating to a, a multitude of uses for depending on what you want it to do. It's just like Android phones, or you know, as opposed to Apple phones, you can you can unlock them both. They both do the same crap. It just depends on you know the person, your yeah, shoes. Yeah. It depends on your shoes. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Costello said he wanted to migrate away from developers building more external Twitter apps to a world where developers and companies are building products inside the Twitter platform. A move, he argued, would create a better experience for users. So that's kind of what you were saying, Larry. It's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, we'll see where it goes with with that. I mean, I there there was there's twitter in 140 characters there's facebook in what 2000 characters they limit you to uh which i mean who's writing a really elaborate, elaborate. plot line to my morning news right. <laughs> you know like no one cares and and then google plus obviously being able to to format things if you know the special keys and, and if you know the little, shortcuts and hotkeys uh, yeah underscores and asterisks they really need to improve the formatting flexibility. Yeah, Larry's been hollering about that for decades. Google! Since day one. Fix it, Google! This way before they launched the service, I knew it was Use Blogger! Use the Blogger <laughs> input! Darn, Googles! It's true. It's true. They need some archival retrieval tools and a little formatting capability. And they have. They have all that. Per- you know, they we have it a, all. I, I did a post ranting about that. Actually, it was cool. It, it was a neat example of a maybe the best one I've ever had on Google Plus, where I did a post where I was bitching about the um, the inability to kind of converge on hashtags and no support for that. And in the middle, it switched to this thing of is it an archival tool or a conversational tool? And that's the bottom line. It's more for conversation, but it's not worth a damn for archiving. But you know, t- there's two two of the major platforms support the hashtags. Three, if you want to count YouTube, tags are hashtags now oh, with yeah, the pound no, sign. It's not that it doesn't have hashtags. Facebook's just, the one that doesn't. Like, there's too many synonyms and overlapping. There's no sort of dictionary function like semantic web kind of thing to right. do something to uh, 
sorry, I'll get, help me decide which of the three ta- hashtags or four hashtags that I've stumbled upon do I really want to use. So why doesn't someone write something that you give it three hashtags, it searches for all of the articles with those three hashtags, compares that against your article, and then recommends different hashtags? That's just the kind of crap I was saying. And a couple of Googlers came on and sort of said, we're thinking about all kinds of crazy stuff. But no, that kind of thing to come up with uh, a canonical hashtag that fits the situation that I'm doing. Just what you said. Look at the content of what I'm going to post and the hashtags that have been used and, and try to, uh, what you end up doing now, if you want to do a post on Google Plus that relates to the Tour de France, uh, yeah, you can use their, you know, the partial text and it completes it. But there's like four popular hashtags. And so what do you do? You put all four of them? That's kind of a pain. That's pretty much what you almost have to do. I'll tell you what, though. If you guys... On on, on Twitter, half your post has to be hashtags. You get 70 characters of hashtags and 70 characters of content. (laughs) But Twitter also has a pretty decent search function. Better than Facebook's, at least, I think. I don't know. So why don't we... We'll start a Kickstarter to let me quit my job, will send me to coding school, and then all of these little complaints you have, I will just make you plugins for them. I'll spend my days doing that instead of delivering water. It'll be fantastic. I'll give you a buck. All right, there we go. Kickstarter. (laughs) Do that. I need a thousand for this album, and then how much is college? How much is college? T-shirt. Come on, man. (laughs) How much is college these days? I forget. All right. Well, uh, you wrote quite a bit. I know people can find that if they follow you on Google Plus and follow Yats because I always we always repost that stuff. Uh, we got time for probably one or two more stories, uh, Larry. If you want to pick out the last two. Oh, I don't know. Wait, well, um, I don't know. Do you? What's come up? The things I've been uh, getting into this week. The Tour oh, de yeah, France coverage. I think we're good with that. Um, Sorry, saying. The cost of having obsolete technology in china no, or cuba, in cuba, cuba excuse me cuba. yeah no that was yeah i um geez it's hard to pick because i felt passionate enough to write about every one of those things um let's I'd just like to hear about cuba cuba. Cuba. Oh, I, the cuba one okay like i i'm a uh i have for many many years now for 15 20 years i've been involved in the internet in developing nations so i've done developed a framework for studying it, done studies in a lot of nations, uh, run workshops for developing nations, blah, blah, blah. Um, most of the nations have now figured out that the Internet's kind of a cool thing. But one place where it's still really screwed up is in Cuba. And I, it turns out I've done three or four trips and studies to Cuba. So I have a warm spot in my heart for Cuba. So a thing happened just this weekend. I, did you guys ever hear of Yoni Shan- Sanchez? She's a Cuban dissident blogger, um, and she's now she's copied in the Huffington Post, so she's getting really famous, and she's written a book. Is she the one that got arrested for what she was posting? I don't think Yoni's ever been arrested, okay. but she's been harassed, and a lot of people have. But I think she's done this lucky thing, like the lady in uh, Burma, whose name I can never remember, but she's gotten so publicly visible that they uh-huh. be, they can't arrest her, I don't think. I think right. she's on that way but she uh, did a post the other day that just kind of made me sad she had gone away for a two-day vacation and she had to return to santiago to reboot the server that her blog is on wow and, yeah, <laughs> and what did that take me back to in in the first web server at my school 
was ran on my Windows 3 desktop machine in my office. And whenever <laughs> it crashed, I had to go run upstairs and reboot the Tell machine. Tell Larry to kick the box again. It's crap. Yeah, I can't get to the damn website. Trust me, Windows 3 and a little old PC, it was frequent. Okay, but that, <laughs> it just pointed out, and I've written a lot about this, Cuba is running on that technology, you know. Uh, you know, these days we don't run back to the office to reboot the server. So I did a blog post on uh, on the fact that it, that they're losing two things. One is by having obsolete technology. I mean, they, they lose the use of the technology, but kind of more deeply, they're not training people. They're not getting trained technicians on modern technology. And a guy gave me a lot of blowback on that in the comments. And even more, the users aren't. They don't have trained demanding users. And so they're stuck in the in the nineties. But the listen, they're they're stuck there, but they're still alive and they're surviving and they're doing okay, I guess. Whose responsibility should that be? Should a a Google or a Microsoft go down there and say, Hey, we're gonna open up a charity to replace all of your tech and train all of your people and give yes. schooling and education to the users? Or is that the government's job? I mean, is that our government's no. position to but the, the uh, Google, you can't even, Google services aren't even allowed to be accessed down. We are not, are, there are three big things that have, that have caused it. One is the U.S. embargo on doing business in Cuba. Cuba so, in particular. They're, yeah. yeah, I'm talking purely about Which Cuba. is a kind of a special case compared to the rest of... Well, that's why I started out by saying that the reason I still really keep an interest in Cuba is because they're still a developing nation as right. far as the Internet's concerned. But anyhow, the U.S. embargo is one factor, but there are two other, and that's the only one Fidel ever talks about. There are two others, though, that are super important. One is uh, the government's fear of freedom of, speech, of free speech. Uh, right, but they, when you talk about trying to change that kind of stuff, you're talking about full revolution for people, for their government and everything. Like, that's that's a pretty major thing, like the Arab Spring, like what we've seen. You yeah, know. and they don't even have, yeah. No, but, and, and that's the, what I'm there, saying. Is that our responsibility to get in there and light the fuse to to start no, this war? Because no, no, that's what it'll be. Even though the uh, internet's global, that's still kind of yeah. not our territory. No, no, I understand. I'm not saying. I'm just telling you what's kept it retarded. It's been their government, uh, our embargo, and the third thing is they're broke. Uh, they don't have money to upgrade their infrastructure. Because they don't have tech companies keeping their economy afloat in a nice little bubble. Like we yeah, do. No, I, I, I personally think, okay, they, there was a big flap or a big, not flap, but a big announcement and whatnot this year. They finally got an undersea cable to Cuba from Venezuela. Uh, Cuba until then was purely relying on, on very, you know, slow, high latency, expensive satellites. Yeah. So international connectivity was just bizarrely lacking. They've got the cable in now and everybody's going uh, it, it's bottom line is it's not being it's no internet traffic is flowing over it. Well, where's it from? Brazil, Venezuela. Oh, Venezuela. They should Venezuela get orchid and show them orchid here, Cuba. This is yeah. Our no, but there's network. no IP. They're not using it. Right. The only thing, as far as I can ascertain, that it's being there's no internet traffic going over it. I've got good data on that, and the only thing that it is being used for, and I've just got rumors on this, is. Uh, Venezuela is running their ID, their uh, 
you know, personal ID system on servers in Cuba across the cable. And so you ask yourself, why don't they do something with that cable? Everybody was talking as if it was going to make a difference to the man on the street. But they don't have any money to upgrade the domestic infrastructure. Um, everybody in Cuba is on dial-up. Anybody that can that is in a place where they can get dial-up. I mean, do you remember dial-up? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where they are. Uh, so there's no domestic infrastructure and no money to build it. And to, to answer your question, man, I think the U.S. government really can't make – we could drop the embargo tomorrow, and, and I think we should. It would take away a, a political um, weapon from Castro or the government. But, you know, we take away the embargo tomorrow, they're, they're still in the same place. The government, Their government is afraid of free information, and even if they wanted to connect everybody to the Internet, they don't have any money to do it. And what you said is true. The only way that I can see that they're going to get the kind of investment to be able to build out real, you know, fiber modern infrastructure is uh, to have a government change because nobody will invest in Cuba that kind of money right. today. Um, anyhow, that's that's. Larry, you talked about the user base down there. Uh, are you saying the users are not hungry for this information because of fear of the government? Or? No, 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 no. I'm saying that yeah, no, they know not, it's out there. I'm saying right? the government is afraid they of what they might say to themselves. They they were very aware of uh, when the internet first started. There were real active debates in Cuba back in the mid '90s, and they were very much aware of what had happened in in the Soviet Union with Perestroika. And Raúl Castro, in particular, was a strong advocate to not let this internet shit happen because it would undermine their their power base. Uh, no, the users would be there, would be happy, but they can't get access. If they do get access, it costs them a fortune. I mean, a real fortune, a big percentage of their monthly income. It's not worth it at that point for and, and the access, what access that they're getting. They get dial-up access. Uh, almost all of it is intranational because there's, in, you know, international connectivity is, is uh, hard to get politically and hard to afford. So basically... Um, it's not that they don't want it. It's just it's not there and they can't afford it. So, okay, I got a fix for it. What if Verizon or one of these other cellular companies produces a small LTE-like antenna that anyone or any group of people can deploy and get at least local access in the area that they deploy these antennas? Use that for these other countries that want connectivity, but the governments won't let them. I mean, that would really stir yeah. some shit up you know if if verizon at&t even if they got together and was like here's our technology let's build this out for these countries i mean right. i i get yeah. maybe what's the motivation maybe they get subscribers from that or something I, I don't know okay let me speak that right now because I'm, I'm working on a proposal i've been really going around about this like the only cell kind of the only cell network in cuba is 2g and Wow. Interestingly enough, in, yeah. Interestingly enough, in the last year, the percentage of people that it's like, as I recall, seventy-three percent of the people population live in a place where they can do two G cellular. And from two thousand ten to two thousand eleven, that kind of that coverage grew by zero, uh, which to me says there's no capital to do infrastructure upgrades. So you're talking pure two G now. You say, okay, cool. What if uh, AT&T and Verizon or, or better 
you know, China Telecom, because AT&T and Verizon, the Treasury Department will not let them, uh, well, they, they, for communication equipment, maybe they would. But Cuba... License it, quality, sell it, I don't know. So you like these networks you're setting up. And um, secondly, somebody, China's already into really, they owe China a lot of money already. Maybe China would be willing to do it. Um, I'd be curious to know, like, who's got this kind of... Uh, could 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 there be a sort of decentralized uh, mesh approach to uh, LTE? I can an LTE version of something like I can, where all of the big the the engineers that know how it works, you know, don't 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 muddy it up with lobbyists or anything, but get the people that know how it works, the people that gave birth to this internet we have, make it mobile and. There you go. I, I don't know. You would have to have some sort of motivation for them to want to do that. Maybe. I don't know. Is is Cuba in a good position to let us launch satellites and missiles to the moon to do some mining? Like, I, you have to have some other motivation there, I feel like. China's, China's, has China's going to put that in and put back doors and it everywhere, and well, then Cuba's got backdoors everywhere already. That's a whole other well, topic. It's highly what little access is is highly surveilled. Yeah, um, but see, at know, that point, I, I would, would say to come up with that kind of a you know. I don't know if you guys paid attention, but the U.S. your U.S. government has done some really dumb things. Your U.S. government. Wait a minute. U.S. government. Like this is your Alan? fault and my parents' fault and their parents, not ours. We had no part in this, bud. No. Well, we all, we all live here. It's some of us, at least. But it, um, <laughs> did you guys ever hear of Alan Gross? He's not negative. No. Uh, okay. Alan Gross is the guy. The USAID spent uh, who knows? Some guys trying to get for, trying for a year now to get a Freedom of Information Act to find out how much of it. USAID spent a lot of money to send that guy down to Cuba with a few, I don't know how many, a couple of uh, satellite dishes, you know, local satellite dishes and Wi-Fi works, uh, Wi-Fi routers uh, to try to get a little bit of uh, ungovernment controlled uh, IP access into, into the hands of some Cubans. And he got caught. And he's a guy, he's got a 15-year sentence, and he's like ill, and he's old, and he, it was, they made a huge political uh, deal out of it. And the, the thing that's ironic, the reason I beat up on the government is, had he succeeded, it wouldn't have made a damn bit of difference. I mean, you got right. a couple of low-speed satellite links and a couple of Wi-Fi radios. Um, that's not exactly covering the country. But if you could come up with some LTE solution, it could be unobtrusive, Hard to detect, uh, mesh together so that uh, you, you have to regular LTE. You've got to have backhaul, and there's no. I mean, the government controls that what little backhaul there is for the 2G phones. It, it's hard to figure out the things you can come up. I'll tell you another thing while, while we're just bullshitting here. Um, one can come up with with uh, text messaging applications. But if you guys, if, if some clever Android developers on Android, Attack of the Androids, can come up with some way to use smartphones in a place where there is no data connectivity, 
They use them as computers. Use them as computers. You go peer to peer like a torrent network, and you yeah, set them uh, up. I don't know what. Um, you could do it. Yeah. Darknet. You know, there are LTE there, darknet. There are Android phones in Cuba, but they don't have. Uh, there aren't data plans. Okay. Are you so a strictly voice. So what about that new? What about that Wi-Fi Direct protocol? What's that? <laughs> Does that? Excuse me. <clears throat> Does that support internet connection sharing? I don't even know what it is. I've never heard of it. Wi-Fi Direct. It's a it's a new protocol the new uh, ICS and up uh, Android phones have where it'll instead of like normal Wi-Fi where I have to connect to a router to then connect to your computer. Smart that's point Wi-Fi. Right. So it sets up. It's ad hoc to where, or I think that's ad hoc. I don't know. It connects. That's right. It's ad hoc. It connects each device to each other, and then it uses applications that third-party developers create to do what you want to do, whether it be it sharing. It wouldn't matter if it ran IP as long as it, what would matter would be the fan app, the number of guys you could talk to, and the, and more important would be the. Uh, the the hell is that? <laughs> Google it, Hangouts, I think maybe that's why they're 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 doing something to it. But now when it says are you there still? Because clearly I don't move around enough. I, uh, move the mouse. It huh? it <laughs> beeps now. It goes doot doot doot. I edited it out of AOTA. I have a feeling I'll do the same here, but anyway. Hey, all right. Well that's that's all really interesting and it's doable if someone was motivated or had the money to do it. I I would do it, but clearly Well frankly if if you really have something uh tangible and concrete and proposable, there's government US government money because the US government Cause I want to go to Cuba and get arrested and then be completely disavowed by my government. Nah. Yes. No, I they really movie. tried to Not get Alan Gross out of there, let me tell you. Uh, but to no avail. Uh, that poor sucks. guy. He was Is he still in. there? Oh yeah, he's in the slammer for fifteen years. Wow. In, and and our government refuses and Hillary Clinton asked him, but they're just uh, why don't so, they send SEAL Team 6 in and just get him out? They tried that at the, the Bay of Pigs. <laughs> <laughs> they well, ain't that easy. Oh, shit. Are you yeah, still... always <laughs> asking me if I'm... <laughs> All right. Well, folks, that sound means it's the end of the show. Thanks for joining Google us. Google doesn't even think we're still here, man. <laughs> Google's like, enough already. We're getting red flags, and that means it's time for us to go. Email the crew at yetanothertechshow.com if you want to say hi or leave a comment on the site, yetanothertechshow.com. Watch us live every week and interact with our conversations because they're good. If you live in Cuba, friend us on Google+. (laughs) No, wait. (laughs) Friend me on Orkut. We'll find you. Yeah, go to my Cuba blog and uh, talk to me. That's right. We'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes at yeahnothertechshow.com. Check us out on Facebook. Write us a review on iTunes. Let's let's get some iTunes reviews going. And tell your friends. Tell all of your nerdy, technologically inclined friends to listen. Listen. Larry Press, Aunt Pruitt, and Matt Lee. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, everyone. Take care now. Yeah.
Thanks for listening to Yet Another Tech Show. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.